0: Hey, welcome back to another episode, and I want to introduce our guest today. It's a has a very special place in my heart, this guest of ours. He's actually the pastor, the senior pastor of our church here in Conroe, Texas. His name is Alan Clayton. He has been a pastor for over 20 years, and he has had many ups and downs, uh, many struggles in, in personal life, professional life. Um, He has been very transparent and open with the congregation, with his circle um, of influence, just with the public in general, about how being a pastor is not always the perfect buffer to adversity. He very much understands the journey is real for everybody, and God is no respecter of persons, He always said, uh, Alan always says he uh, he knows that he's been dealt a hand just like the rest of us. And. He knows. The. Tools that it takes, he knows the disciplines, he knows how to lean on God, just like you and I and his journey isn't less severe or less tragic at points than ours just because he's a pastor. That's the message I want to get across to you. Alan had, he started a church in North Carolina um, back in the day, and it failed. He'll tell you. His parents even stopped going, and that was a low point in his professional career. So we're going to hear about that. We're going to hear about his wife, Joy, who was diagnosed with acute pancreatitis and there was a season where it was very touch and go with her health. Uh, even just surviving was at times in question. And some of the severity of that illness really tested both of their face and, and tested their family. And so it's not about pastors being invincible, pastors being uh, above having any sort of trial or tragedy. Um, And then his daughter went through a relational crisis where there was some very challenging points with her health, with her emotional and physical health, actually. And being a a father through those times in an abusive relationship for your daughter has its share of challenges. And um, we all know where that can go. So, I hope you enjoy this. Alan is, I consider, a really good friend, not only my pastor, but just a friend in Christ and a brother in Christ, and so I hope you enjoy this episode as we dig into Alan Clayton today. Welcome back, Alan Clayton, for uh, episode number two with you uh, this year. It's been an honor, man.
1: Well, you know, it's it's all that money I got from episode number one that the that compelled me to come back for number two, so.
0: Hey, you're, you're just like Iron Man. You got to have a sequel. We <laughs> might have four or five of these. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, the demand is there, and and they're definitely, uh, the world is uh, needing to hear about hope. And, you know, today, you know, being that the the series is dark before dawn, man, I, I definitely want to, we might have to take the pastor hat off occasionally throughout this conversation so people get can kind of get this, you know, I think they, they feel like pastors are walking around in this bubble and, and you're the first to, to admit and, and to disclose that that's a myth. Um, it is. But but yeah. <laughs> you've had your share of challenges um, is suffice it to say. So I want <clears throat> to touch a little bit on in the intro. I, I mentioned you had a church that you planted and tried to start before you got, before you started the ark here right. and um, in North Carolina, in your hometown And then we know what happened there. And then joy was very, very sick, deathly sick at at one point. And then your daughter went through some emotional, um, and some abusive situations in a relationship that took you and your wife down a path that you never saw coming. So that's the dark. Those are the couple of the things, uh, I, like I say, the high points in the dark points. Um, so can you give us just some challenges that you faced and if there were any common themes about yourself through those, but take us through some of the church, some of Joy, and then some of Christina, just kind of briefly.
1: We, uh, we started, we uh, left, uh, I had a good job. I was working um, in sales and uh, had a good job. I was actually calling on banks and savings and loans uh, back in the late 80s. And we left that job and and moved back to my hometown, in uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina, with with the uh, plans to start a church. And uh, I, I had sensed that God had called me to be a pastor. And what what I didn't get right was the timing. And, uh, and an interesting thing too, John. I never got good counsel from any you know, mm. some, uh, uh, an idea like that. If you you know, it can it can warrant good counsel. And, and some and some other voices coming in, and I never went and, and my pastor at the time, John Osteen. I never went and, and uh, talked to him. Just I just kind of blew out of town. And years later, he told me he said, "Alan, if you'd have talked to me, I'd have to try to talk you out of it." And I'm like, "And you should have talked me out of it." But we we went there, and you know, I had a, had just a sensing almost as soon as we showed up that it was a mistake, and um, we had we had really made a mistake, and so. We launched the church. It was ill-planned, ill-conceived. It was just, it was textbook on how not to start a, a church. And we actually shut it down with, within a month. And that was a, the, the good news is, and I'd heard my pastor say, he said, if I miss God, I can fish out of anything. And so yeah. he talked about, it. he could back up, you know, he could, he could back out of it. And that's what we did. We just, we recognized, hey, we, we missed it and we backed out. But then it took us a year and a half of being in that situation before we got back to Texas. And that yeah. was a hard year and a
0: half. Yeah, I want to ask a question along the way, too, as we kind of yeah. narrate okay. through your journey. I definitely want to, do you think that when people face that, did did that ever raise doubt about the calling that you thought you had on your life about being a pastor? I mean, or or did you just, were you mature enough in that that point in your life where you were saying, okay, maybe it's just not the right time? Did you ever question the calling
1: at all? Oh, oh yeah, I did. I, I really did. In fact, Joy had, had had bought a little Bible for me. It was a little leather New Testament, and she had Pastor Clayton engraved in the on the bottom of it. And I scratched out everything but the R. And so it was R. Clayton. My first name is Richard. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So R. Clayton, R. Clayton still worked for me, but I scratched out the 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 rest of it that said Pastor, and and for wow. a while there. That- for a while there, I did give up on that, on that idea and that, that I, that I had missed it, it but fortunately not too long. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't stay. I, I mean, I was, I was probably clinically depressed for a while. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I would, I would say probably if, if, a, if a psychologist was talking to me, he would have diagnosed me as clinically depressed. I was working for my dad. We weren't making enough money. We were living in a little dark apartment. If I, in fact. Joy looked at me one day. She said, "Well, you can stay here all you want." She said, "I'm getting out of here," and she got her clothes on, went out, and started meeting people in the uh, in the apartment complex, and reaching out to them. But yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was a dark time, no doubt.
0: Yeah, and and you mentioned that you kind of were in that valley. It wasn't a, oh, it didn't work for a month, so let's pack our bags and start over and do this somewhere else, or or let's take right. off. Like you had to kind of marinade in that, which was heart i would imagine just a real tough which led to some of the probably emotional uh struggles that you had um what what do you feel like rises up in you um in those moments like bad or good like what what's your first go-to emotion typically i know it's probably different today no doubt than it was then but back then and for somebody listening that may be in that point of man i missed it or wow i'm not as good or called as i thought i was or Maybe I'm just in a down, dark season. What's an emotion that rises up in you that kind of led you out of that in that
1: situation? I I think a lot of times people tend to be, I I find most people, especially if they come from any kind of achieving background, can tend to be hard on themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I, I looked at it as a failure. I looked at it as a, I could be washed up. You know, I was 30 years old. And I was thinking, you know, I, I could be washed up at 30. And of course, you have to understand the enemy loves to, mm-hmm. man, he'll feed you those thoughts. Oh, yeah. And, so, and those, those thoughts could come. So it, it really was a, a function of having to get out of that type of mindset. And um, I really did not start to break out of that mindset until my television broke. And, uh, man, we, all, we, didn't, we didn't have any money. And, uh, and so I, didn't have, I, I couldn't hide in television. And so at night, I would I would come back from work and I would begin to read my Bible again, and uh, and, mm-hmm. and picked it back up and that and that mm-hmm. that that began to I sensed you know life started the water starting to flow life starting to come again, yeah. But I, d- I didn't have an escape I was forced to you know yeah. I to, to say hey, I started reading my Bible when my, my, my when my TV broke but that's that's where we were,
0: and this and- was before
1: <laughs> this was before internet John this is. This is late 80s, uh, yeah, late 1989.
0: And, and, and the rest is history. I mean, thank God for broken televisions because, yeah. oh, uh, you oh, know, okay. you got back on, on a spiritual path that, man, I don't think you've ever looked back from now. When I say you've never looked back from, I don't mean that you have obviously been at the top of the mountain, the entire 25 no. or 30 years since then. Uh, right. because, I do want to touch on, and I hope I got it chronologically correct. Was Joy's illness after that point? Okay. Okay. So let's fast forward. You guys moved back to tech. You moved to Texas, correct? And and from North Carolina and Joy gets really deathly ill and uh, take us through that kind of leading up. Like, where, you know, she started feeling a certain way, you went and got a diagnosis and then man, what, what kind of transpired in that, in that was, season I, of life?
1: That was definitely a hard time. We were, I was working in sales, uh, came back and got a job in sales and, and God just opened up a door and he restored to us financially. And so we had, we have been able to bounce back. And about 1992, right about the time she was pregnant with Michael and started having Some real pains, and after Michael was born, we went to the doctor, and she was diagnosed with acute chronic pancreatitis. Anyone that's ever had that will taste probably one of the most painful things that you can you can deal with. So we went and visited with a surgeon. Surgeon said we need to operate quickly. We 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 kind of rushed into that decision, and the operation was not successful. And I remember sitting in the medical center way up on one of the one up in one of the towers there. And the surgeon, people skills probably wasn't his first gifting, but but he, he looked at us and just said, got to you too late. And uh, there's really nothing we can do at this point. And they talked about maybe completely removing the pancreas, which would have made her obviously a very, very uh, severe diabetic. Mm-hmm. Talked about even a morphine shunt that they could put in that she could do to, to manage the pain. And uh, I remember walking out of the surgeon's office and we didn't say a you know, long ride down the elevator. We just didn't say much. We didn't say much on the way home. And uh, it, it was a, it, it was a definitely a dark day. And um, because of the pain, because of what she would endure, and she would have these attacks that would just double her up and a uh, very, very difficult time.
0: Yeah. And, and I want to unpack that some, but before I do that, I want to ask like we can, We have a choice in those moments to let somebody put that life sentence on us when they speak like that. The words coming out of that doctor's mouth to you almost felt like a life sentence of despair and hopelessness. Like that was what he was spewing over the situation. Talk to the audience about that when they can be influenced by what someone's speaking over them in a moment and what our reaction can or should be.
1: I think um, very few of us, John, stand up in a moment like that and go, no, you know, it, it's not. And so I think oftentimes they, they hit us, but it's what we do after that and, and how we begin to respond that I think does become critical. Mm-hmm. I think nothing else. If you can't do anything, just be quiet for a little bit and, and don't, don't begin to spew out of your mouth. I'm going to die. Why is this? All oh, this happening? This is this is horrible. That's that's the time of nothing else. Just to be quiet. And uh, I think one of the things that in all of these dark seasons of our life and that we went through, one of the things that really helped us was that Joy and I were never confused as to the source of the problem. When we were in North Carolina, we knew we had missed, and I, I took responsibility for. I just missed God and jumped out and went way, way ahead of him. So we took responsibility for that. When we got the diagnosis that, that Joy was so deathly ill, three small children, we did not ever look and go, why God, why are you doing this? We recognized, and I'm grateful for the teaching I had, that Jesus is still the healer. And that, and, and in fact, that's one of the first things we said. We said, well, you know, Jesus is, is, is still our healer. So we weren't ever blaming God. So, the, So we weren't, it's hard to fight if you're if you if you believe God's the source of the problem. Yeah. And so we never blamed him. And, and and so then from that point we can begin to go, okay, where are we going to stand? Where are we going to fight? How are we going to deal with this? And so that's that's really what we what we face in life. But if you're blaming God for it, or you can't get off of blaming yourself, you're not in a good position to fight.
0: Yeah. Well, so okay, so that that's good. I'm glad you said that. So help the audience understand owning the situation and where the line is with blaming. So the own and the blame, there's a fine line, correct? Like I can own it and then take on all this weight of shame and guilt. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And And, and right, yes, exactly, Johnny. And it can come with the territory. I mean, you when we when I recognized, hey, I just I just flat missed it going to North Carolina. Mm. I took the responsibility of that. And it took mm. me a little while to come to grips with, okay, is this a, is this something I can't recover from? Or is this something? And you've heard me talk about getting that call one night yep. from from John Osteen. And he said, Alan, you're not a failure, you're a learner. And those were helpful words. Those, mm. those, those were key words. Because if you destined that I'm just a failure, you're not in a position to fight at all. You're fighting yourself. And so getting past that point, it's like, okay, how do we recover from here? Yeah. And so, and so yeah, you, you, taking responsibility is good. And if you don't take responsibility, you're, you're not going to get out of it. And I had Christians that would, they did not want me to take responsibility. They'd say, well, Alan, God had you move here because he knew, and I, I would just find a good time time. I moved here because I missed and, and I, I was surprised, even the Christian leaders who were unwilling to admit that they missed. Listen, if you can't admit that you missed it, you're on shaky ground. And Absolutely. so you have got to be able to own your stuff. And once you do, you can repent. You can say, Lord, have mercy. He's merciful. He's real good. But if if you're blaming him or pointing the finger at somebody else, you're not on your way to recovery. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think the good thing takeaway for people, the good news is not only can you own your failure, you can own the redemption process. No kidding. And, and and so you you claim so like I'm I'm back to that. I just picture this elevator ride after you get the news with the doctor, you enjoy, I'm sure the air couldn't have been thicker and the mm. the silence couldn't have been more deafening on that yeah. ride. And and I'm thinking, okay, so you know we're we're not that this wasn't a failure, but you, you own the situation. So you, you name it, right. You got to identify it, this pain. Okay. We're going to, yeah. we're going to wrap, wrap our arms around it. Right. We're not going to deny it. We're not going right. to pretend it's not there. We're not going to blame, you know? So how do you get, cause you're going through, so take us a little bit through this journey of just how catastrophic some of this got with joy's illness, because I, I mean, I, I remember the story a little bit, um, but but talk to the audience about some of the low points. But just man, what it stands out to me is how she grabbed a hold of that yeah. and, and yeah. really was a warrior through that. So talk about that.
1: And, and that and and that was the real key, John, because I I realized I could help Joy, but I couldn't receive this for her. And so I could I could be a part of the process, but I could not be I could not be the whole answer. Her will and what her belief and her faith was gonna come into play here. Mm-hmm. And my little daughter Christina was about six years old at the time. And she sat on the on the edge of the couch one day. She looked at her mom and, and she said, she said, Mom, are you gonna are you gonna go to heaven? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and Joy said no. She said, we we believe in healing. And so Christina said that well, good enough for Christina. She got up and walked away and, and Joy said the Lord spoke to her heart and said well then you better fight. Mm-hmm. And and so Joy as, as sweet as she is, is is a tiger at heart, and she said she said I, I was looking at those three kids, she said Lord knows who you if if I went on to heaven Lord knows who you drag up, and so she she, she 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 said she said I need to stick around I need to stick around for these kids sake, and so her her fighting. Was was death. if she hadn't have fought, I couldn't have done it. So uh,
0: yeah. So was, how bad? How bad was the the illness? And and they, how did? When did it turn a corner?
1: She said that uh, the the doctors told her that that any of these attacks that she would have these severe attacks that would just double her up. Mm-hmm. And they said she said any one of the doctors told her said any one of these attacks could be potentially fatal if if they just continue. Oh. And so they 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 had her on. They had her on. Um, I don't even know if we've if we shared this, John. But she They had her on um, hydrocodone or hydrocodone. How do you pronounce? it? Yeah, you know
0: hydrocodone. That? Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: hydrocodone. Had her on hydrocodone, and um, she said, actually, she said she got addicted to it, and she she knew that she had to come off of it, and uh, and she kicked it just just cold turkey. But she said that she would walk around with she always had like a a pill in her pocket for when the pain would come so she could so she could deal with it. And she said one she we uh, there was a a Bible school, Rainbow Bible Training Center up in Oklahoma. They had something called healing class Mm. and they really helped people focus on divine healing. And people would come from all over the world, many of them with with just they're not recover you know you couldn't recover incurable mm. and the, the miracle testimonies they had coming out they were amazing and joy went up there and i we, we paid and i took care of the kids and she went up there and stayed for a week and uh, when she came back she said "Alan, she said i believe i received my healing this is where i'm going to stand and so that that became her stance and boy she locked in she would get up in the morning she would read. she would read her script she she would make me help her get up. I hated to do it because she was in pain. I had to sometimes just rub her back so she could physically get up. Mm-hmm. And and I'd say, oh honey, don't you want to sleep? And she said, no, no. She said, this is what strengthens me. And she recognized that she had to stay strong spiritually. And and, and there's, there's scripture that said the strong spirit of a man was sustaining in bodily pain or sickness. Mm-hmm. And so she recognized that mm-hmm. she had to stay strong. And so best thing I could do was simply help and and help her and You'd ask Joy, how are you doing? She said, I'm strong. And in fact, she, got, she said that so much, people stop asking her. They say, well, I was going to ask you how you're feeling, but you're going to tell me I'm strong. And so she, she, she went through a period, and I'd say it was about two and a half, three years, where she began to progressively get better. And we started the church in June of 1996. She had her last attack in May of 1996 and we started the church and they stopped they my they, goodness but it was it was a, a process it wasn't an instant miracle and that's when the hard part comes in when it's not instant it is it is when the fight
0: well that's what place. i mean that's the microwave society we're in of course that's uh, that's where people sure. miss it and that's where uh, ultimately i think people quit and, yeah. you know, it would have been easier for her to kind of quit the process of, of owning her healing and, and claiming yeah. it and grabbing on to scripture and leaning into God. She could have yeah. just said, well, I tried. And, and you know, it, it sounds like to me, based on what the doctor said and just what these attacks and things that maybe she wasn't on death's doorstep, but she was at the driveway, you know, ready to pull oh, in at some point. Oh,
1: totally. It, it, it was it was a precarious situation. I mean, it wasn't what we weren't teetering on the edge. Yeah, but but buddy, we were close, and and so it was—it was enough to be alarming.
0: Yeah, and and you talked to to plenty of people uh, in the church that have physical illnesses, or you know, career is in shambles, finances, that kind of thing, marriage. Um, Man, I are do you see a common denominator for people that struggle to get out of this? hit like i i know that there are people that do but i want to talk to somebody listening today who feels like they've done the right things they've checked the right boxes they've leaned into scripture but like you said it's not overnight so they're in this place this season of is it even worth it is it working so what common denominator within people and their character and their attributes do you see of the ones that do cross over into that that healing side or that victory side
1: that's a that's a great question, John. I, I I think a lot of times what I see is people are unsure about who what they're fighting, and so they're not mm-hmm. sure if the Lord put this on them or if okay. so. If they come from from that kind of background, then it, that's that's going to be difficult. Yeah. Um, someone who is is pretty strong uh, in, in their faith or, or in what they believe. Uh, I find there's a challenge of when they begin to put timelines on it. Mm. And I really, we really encourage people, don't put a timeline on it. Don't say, by the end of, you know, this day or Mm -hmm. this, this is, you know, the doctor said it's going to take me three months, but it's going to be one month for me. So don't, don't, don't put a timeline on it. Put put an end goal that when the dust settles, we're going to be standing, but don't put that time frame on it because time will really jack with you. That, that Mm -hmm. will... That will really, really hurt you. I think sometimes people stop staying doing the things that create strength. Um, there's a, um, I was thinking of a, a couple of scriptures. Uh, one of them, Jesus. Uh, well, I've been asking the the church if they listen to my devotions. I said, for the next couple of months, let's let's, let's do the twenty third psalm. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about the twenty third psalm is the image it has of God. Well, verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Two things, your your Holy Spirit and your word are comforters. And so when you no longer are are feeding on scriptures, when you're no longer spending any time with God, you've just taken away a source of your strength and comfort that can make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I noticed about Joy was she was incredibly consistent she would she was very diligent she did not let off and so I think sometimes you get discouraged you you get a hard time and you put away the very thing that's going to help you You, you, and you know you're 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 an athlete you know if you stop eating it's not going to make you stronger you're not have you you know it's like hey I got a big game coming up I'm going to fast for three days before the big game no that's stupid A coach would Coach would look at you though. That's that, that's stupid, and yet people realize I'm facing challenges, and they put their Bible away. And the mm. psalmist said, "This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me hope." Yeah. And so, it, well, you you got to keep doing the things that produce strength. And so, one of the the common denominators I find is people who just they just stay they stay in there absolutely, and they, and they don't and they don't quit, and they're diligent to keep doing not just Not just say, hey, I'm in the fight, but they're doing something to get stronger.
0: Absolutely. Action steps. Yeah, we're not just going to sit on the couch and, you know, let go and let God. You know, we we definitely are relying on him, but we've got steps to take, and he's wanting us to kind of step out. So as we kind of transition from Joy's situation into Christina, your daughter's situation, I think there's a common theme that I want to ask you, being a man and a husband and a father and you in your situation, what was it's a helpless, it had to be helpless. Like, cause you said, Joy had to grab onto that herself. You could only do so much. And then you're trying to take care of kids and trying to pray and be the provider. Um, And with same with Christina, you were, you only had so much control, right? You had to watch from the bleachers almost your team get, get abused, beat down, get, get, get attacked. And talk to the dads and the husbands out there in those moments of, that hopelessness, or that that, that where we can't just walk in and, and use a bigger hammer and fix it, uh, you know, <laughs> what what do you anything that you came uh, surprise you about yourself, or anything that maybe uh, I don't, I wouldn't say surprise you about God because I know you you just always knew that He would come through. But what about yourself in those
1: moments? You, you know, I, I you well, you said the key word, John, is that I think as men we fix things. And uh, now I don't fix anything around the house because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm lousy at it, but at least I know who to call to get it, you know, to get it fixed. We're accustomed yeah. to getting things fixed. We're accustomed. In fact, I, I, marital strife comes when our wives tell us something and we immediately tell them how to fix it. Of and course. they'll and they'll oftentimes look at us and go, I, I, don't, I don't want to hear how to fix it. I just want you to listen to me for, you know, for a bit. So we're fixers by nature. Yeah. We're straightening it out, get it done, get it fixed. The fact that you can't do it is very frustrating. And for me, when I get angry or frustrated, or when I get frustrated or sad, I get angry. And Joyce said, I cry, she cries, I get angry. Yep. And, and, and oftentimes that anger is just a, a frustration. If you're not careful, you're, 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 you'll take out that anger on the very people you're trying to help.
0: Absolutely.
1: And so that, that's something that we have to be aware of. So that's where you really have to go back in and talk to the Lord about it and say, I can't, I can't do anything about this. I I do not have the ability to fix this. And so I can pray and, and I can intercede and I can I can stand in there. I had, but I had two things going on. I had I had Christina dealing with and she was coming out of an abusive situation uh, with a boyfriend that just had wrecked her. And I had Joy, who, even though she fought through the sickness, this one hit her harder in mm. terms just getting to her heart. She and Christina are very close, and there's the self blame, and there's all the all the you know why didn't we see this? Why didn't we do this? And and she really took it on hard. And um, one one night I was um, I had been reading during the day, and again we just we just stayed with our our. Our relationship with the Lord and stay with our fellowship with the Lord. I, I think I can't un, I can't overemphasize that enough, John. Mm-hmm. The, the, the scripture says this hope we have it's an anchor of the soul, mm-hmm. and it, it it anchors your soul, man. You, the winds can be blowing, but if you if you really have a hope in God that you're going to be able to come through this, that's an anchor, man. That's something. That's something that keeps your ship from just straying off into, into crazy. Yeah. And
0: let me, let me add something as a caveat. And then you, I'm going to let you continue, but to the audience, that's not a pastor talking. That's just no. a, a believer of, of God, a, a man who's following oh. Christ. That's talking. That's not a pastor. So I just want to clarify.
1: Yeah. In fact, there, there isn't, there's not, you know, I think sometimes people think pastors get that fast pass, you know, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, you know, you, you just showed, Oh, you're a pastor.
0: The you VIP a, card, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It didn't work. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't work. It's not a merit badge. It's not worth it's a calling. And, and the challenge where it becomes difficult is we still have to continue to lead, even though we're dealing with all these things personally. And so Absolutely. That, that's why, that's why a lot of times in our industry, you see guys that just, they burn out or they retire, or they, or they're, they're just done. Yeah. And uh, so with, with Christina, uh, I, I had read a verse one night, uh, I read it, I think during the daytime, and Joy and I getting ready to go to bed. We're just chatting, pillow talk. And I said, you know, I saw a, I saw a verse today. I said that uh, I really think it's for Christina. It said, the Lord raises up those who were bowed down. And um, I don't even recall the verse. Now I don't have it written down. And Joy said, that just went off in her. And and, and for the first time, now she's got an anchor. And that's something mm-hmm. that anchored her. So that word, that word did more for her. She said, that did more for me than anything. And so he gave her an anchor that, Christina Christine would come out of this. Yeah, and she did. So I, I think by his, his, husband's just, well, if we can stay sensitive to God, he can, he can help us speak into that situation and speak life into that situation yeah. and speak, speak, we're coming through this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've had guests on during this series that have talked about some pretty dark stuff. Um, And I know that you've mentioned this even from the pulpit uh, at times. So can you maybe for the audience give about a, you know, a 10,000 foot view of just Christina's journey through some of that hard time, like what, how it affected her and, and her, I guess, depression possibly, and and maybe some of the things that were manifesting through this time and, and kind of what you're, you know, from the, from the, the bleachers, what what really stirred in you, and and really, <laughs> what kept you from really reacting to your initial, uh, I don't know, your dad, flesh that kind of rises up.
1: Well, well, I, I I can't say that my dad flesh didn't didn't rise up at times because Christina in dealing with this also became very difficult at home, mm-hmm. and so all in conflict at home to the point where I remember she and I having a conversation where I told her I said. I, I, we're not going to deal with this. Either you can, you're living here, she's in her 20s. I so said, you, you know, you can treat us with respect, or said, or you can go find your own place. Yeah. And so th- there came a point where it's like, you're not going to dominate the entire household. Mm-hmm. So she went through a, a scenario with that we didn't find out about till later with a young man she was engaged to who found out it was abusive. The engagement was broken off. At, at my suggestion, I really encouraged her. I said, mm-hmm. and I told her, I, said, I can't. I can't force you to do anything. I said, but I'm begging you not to marry this guy. And uh, she actually broke it off, but then it just created her. And uh, man, she was, she, she really went through some tough times and uh, it was difficult. She, you know, she was taking meds to, you know, to deal with the, with the, 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 with the depression. And uh, we had her going to a counselor, you know, a Christian counselor. Yeah. She will tell you, it's interesting, um, I think the counselor look, looked at her one day and said, do you really wanna be well? And, and those words caught her, stung her. And she said what really changed for her is when she picked up her Bible again and, and, and didn't just go over the problem over and over and over with the counselor, but she began to get an influx of, of life, of, of, of help, And she'll tell you that that's what began to snap her mind back around to, to a place of soundness. Mm-hmm. And so she came out of it. She stayed with us for a while, then, then moved on her own up to Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Found to a really great guy. They've got two beautiful little kids. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's the dawn um, in this entire conversation. Like it's funny how the progression <clears throat> of these three things, have almost a counteracting dawn to their darkness. So the church in North Carolina fails. You have a church of 20, 25. What is, it? I, I I'm drawing a blank. How many years with the ark? 25. I celebrated 25. 25. Yeah, 25. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 25 years thriving, thriving church. Joy going from a, a deathly illness and even a prognosis of that was not hopeless to yeah. she's been teaching a healing class at, at your church and she's yeah. written several little resources that help people with those healing scriptures yeah. um based yeah. on her journey like so she's passed this on Christina the light just continues to shine with her you know found a great guy two kids yeah. <clears throat> two kids right now yeah Yeah. and and one of those one of her children it was touch and go um Ooh. with him yeah. and and that was a struggle oh yeah <clears throat> and so Look at kind of the dawn. I mean, what a picture of dark before dawn and, and the way that you guys and, and your life now has turned into what it has turned into. And it's just, it's amazing to me. And and I talk about all the time that the word, you know, the scripture and revelations where, you know, the people overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And you yeah. guys always came back to God, Christ yeah. at the center. And then your word now, this story, the way yeah. that you preach on a on a weekly basis your word of your testimony because you're very transparent about a lot of this that's how we overcome that's how you guys overcame talk about was there because i and to switch gears a little bit but as a pastor i don't i don't know i I, we always talk about do you have a support system with us being uh, you know the church body you know and we're all you're you guys are always talking about you know get with people a good support system around you pastors I always just wonder are are they just kind of dealing with it on their own like they have their wife and their family but did you have a, you know talk about the importance of a support system in general terms for you and through through your journey to this
1: point yeah you know, I, I think um, I think sometimes people people mistake John's support system for uh, a carry system um, yeah. Yeah. yeah it you really, you really, what you really need is really someone who can come alongside of you, and and encourage your faith. They can't carry you, but yeah. but they can come alongside of you, and go. You know what? You know you, you're going to make it through this. And so there were people in our lives, and and a lot of it, to be quite honest with you, because of, of being a pastor. It's not like you can just sit down and dump your your, yeah. your problems on the people that you're leading. Of course. And and so what we found is it, and I've always I've always believed in mentors from afar and so there would be messages you know and so we kept we have over the years have kept a constant flow of, of messages of, and of preaching and, and of people who are speaking into our lives and some of them we never ever really knew but mm-hmm. we recognize the anointing and grace of God on their lives and so we've received from them and so that has been Support system, and I, I don't. I can't under, I, I can't underestimate that because yeah. I think sometimes uh, it's it's ministers that I put on and I've listened. So you know, we've we've had we would go to bed, still do. We'll go to bed listening to, to messages because we recognize the input is so important. And yeah. so you know, there's a there's a verse I was looking at this morning. It's in Proverbs. It's Proverbs. I believe it's nineteen. 27 it says if you cease listening to instruction, you will stray from the words of knowledge. And and so when you when you stop listening, when you stop taking in, that that's when you're starting to let go of your anchor, you're starting to let go, and and that's when a lot of the drifting, and you all of a sudden you become susceptible. And man, you got to recognize if you're in a fight, you're on deployment, you got to stay pretty, pretty sharp on it. And so that's one thing we've discovered over the years is we've just enjoy and, and I are, are, are very good friends and you know, Lord has helped us. Our relationship is, is good. And so we can talk to you know, to one another and that's, and that's going to help. And she'll, she'll recognize my weaker areas. I recognize her. And so we kind of, sometimes even with the kids, she'll go, I got this. And I'm like, great. And then she'll look at me. She'll go help me with this one. And so, you know, we, we got to balance each other. So yeah. that relationship has to be good. Uh, boy, make, yeah. make, Make homework because when home works, everything else flows better. I you know the Lord spoke to my heart years ago and said, You're gonna deal with enough hell in the world, you need to come home to heaven. That's and, right. and and so it's that's that's key, and that support system is is that's number that's, one. That's real good.
0: Now that's perfect, man. And and so uh, you know, let's close this up and, and put a bow on this by one one more. Uh, topic i want to just ask your okay. opinion on because right. um so as we're going through these seasons as as people and and the darkness is inevitable varying degrees of it but it's inevitable along this whole path um right. and, and i think in addition to just reinforcing the message to the audience that it's temporary like no, this darkness isn't permanent i think if we right. get wrapped around the axle with that it's permanent, I think that can lead to a whole set of challenges. Uh, but right. but talk, talk, talk to them. So during some of these major um, low points throughout your life here, um, was there kind of a – so talk to people about moments of clarity and peace and little small wins along the way because, you know, if you're in a marriage, for instance, and, and there's strife, and it's to a point of we don't know if we're going to make it. Right. The the day that you don't argue, and I'm just drawing a picture. We yeah. didn't argue today. We didn't fight today. That's a small win, right? So a moment of clarity and peace and direction. Talk about some of the importance of that and what what your advice is to some people about small victories.
1: You know, I, I think one of the one of the things that we tend to focus on. I read a quote the other day that I, I thought had a lot of truth, and it. it said that the difference between being miserable and happy is what we put attention on, mm. and and so if you only put your attention on what you don't have and what you can't do and what you don't know, you're not going to be, uh, you're not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. But if you, you're going to be miserable, but if you put your attention on some of the good things that are happening and some of the, and, and some of the wins, and I, I like what you said, the, the small wins. And uh, Joy and I used to think if we fought only once a day, it was a, it was a good day. And, and that was when we first got married almost 40 years ago. Now, if we have, if we have an argument in a month, it's unusual. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and and we're like, oh, we don't usually do this. And we'll, we'll, we'll quickly, quickly, adjust. we didn't start there. That's, that's how, how we, how we get it. And Mm -hmm. so that's a, that's a process. I I think one of the things I would just caution everyone is watch your words, Mm -hmm. Watch, watch your words, the words that come out of your mouth. Proverbs says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And one of the things that Joy and I learned early on, and I think it's, it's, it's helped us so much, is we did not speak divorce. We did not speak death. We did not speak failure. We did not speak we're going under. We we just kept quiet in those in those airs until we could say something good. Mm. The, there's the principle of, of Jericho. Remember when in Jericho, they had to march around the walls of Jericho? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joshua, Joshua told him, he said, I don't want you to say a word. So we're going to march, you're going to be quiet. They did that for they did that for six days with nothing happening. Seven days, they walked seven times. You know the tendency would have been, this guy's lost his mind and, and we're yeah. marching. He said, You don't say a word until we blow the trumpets and you shout. And so I, I think if if folks can learn just to to nothing else, stay quiet until you can say something good until you say something that has some victory in it until you can say something that's got a little bit of shout to it you're you're going to be better off just just if you can watch your words yeah. it, it, it can it can solve a multitude of, of things
0: oh yeah and, and and awesome that we waited for the last minute of this interview for you to speak directly to me i appreciate that 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 word was exactly Thank you, Lord. Oh, that guy, he's, he's got a sense of humor. And so that word might have been for me. And I hope it was for somebody else. But no, Alan, uh, I, I really appreciate it today. I, I mean, this, just some of the transparency of it. I mean, the, you know, the the initial uh, reflex might be to kind of hold and, you know, hold your cards a little and close to the vest. But I appreciate you opening up to us about some of that and some of those real moments in your life, but, but man, was there ever a dawn after the dark for you guys? Such a awesome story. And, and that's going to inspire somebody today. So I want to, on behalf of the audience, thank you so much for that. And, and maybe we'll do uh maybe, you know, a sequel. Well, maybe we'll do another sequel because of the ticket sales on this are going to be through the roof. I know we, that. We can yeah, be like
1: the fast and the furious, John. How many, how many? Just how eight
0: many or things? nine. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, uh, we, hey, hey man, I appreciate Appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate how you're encouraging people. Thank you. Let me be a part of it. Of
0: course, man. Thank you. And audience, he's been Alan Clayton. We've been last in line. Be blessed.